0: Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy that you are here with us today. And I'm also thrilled to have Christina Jones, founder of Black Type Group, here with us today. Christina, thank you not only for being on the Positive Productivity podcast, but coming back for the second time, because as you and I both know tech glitches happen
1: i know and it's ironic isn't it that both of us in our our sort of line of work should be kind of tech is our kind of daily bread and butter but it even happens to the pros guys so don't feel bad if you're listening to this and oh it happens gosh. to you so
0: i am, I am <laughs> so happy that you brought that up because i can't even tell you how many emails i've received this week oh i'm sorry that link was broken But you and I both being in digital marketing, I think we know that that technique is being used sometimes because you don't open up the email Uh, and they want to make sure that you did. But how many of those have you gotten this yeah. week already and we're only on Tuesday
1: no, I think there's a few big launches on the go and, and I think I think that was probably like email three in the sequence oops my yep. that, that link is broken <laughs> so whereas if you guys ever get one like that from me it is because the link is broken genuinely thank it's you not, you know <laughs> okay
0: so you are not putting those into your clients
1: email sequences <laughs> not not deliberately no no thank you yeah,
0: not deliberately but Things really do happen. And even the big wigs who don't usually use those emails. I mean, they really do happen. But okay, now that we've gotten off onto a tangent, I would love to circle back around to you. Thank you again for being on the Positive Productivity Podcast. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and what you do in the black type group with the listeners, please?
1: I'm Christina Jones, I'm UK based, kind of, at the moment, Uh, and I run a digital marketing agency uh, called Black Type Digital, but I also have e-commerce businesses and this is my 16th year in business and during that time there's been a variety of sort of bricks and mortar projects. With children's publishing, high street retail stores. So, you know, my absolute primary focus is digital marketing, but that comes with a lot of sort of real world experience and everything from, you know, kind of very small local businesses. And when I say small, like the retail. The store we had was in like this tiny little town up in North Wales where I grew up, right to working with clients across the world on some really, really big projects. So a kind of depth of experience, and I'd say what makes me a little bit different to perhaps some of the digital marketers out there is that there's this kind of really practical aspect to it and remembering that while things like Facebook likes and tweets are great, you physically need some money in the bank at the end of the day. So that's my background. And the end of last year was absolutely horrific. I lost my mother completely unexpectedly. She was really, really young. And it's never great to lose a parent. But certainly in terms of bringing it back to kind of business, A, having to kind of run your business while you're in the midst of all that recording this right now, 33. She passed away at 60, a completely, up to that point, seemingly healthy, fit, active person who really thought she had 20 plus years and had only just started kind of going into semi-retirement and doing the stuff she really wanted to do. So this really put a big spin on me to refocus the business. Digital agency is very much about trading time for money, the profit margins on that having your employees and in effect charging more to clients than you pay them and the kind of difference is your profit margin and I also want to be able to have a better quality of life now this doesn't mean that I want to work from that whole kind of laptop lifestyle work on the beach because I think a lot of that is just bullshit It's a great tool for internet marketers to flog you things. Um, But since we last spoke, I am moving my primary location from, at the moment, the southwest of the UK. And I'm going to be living in southern Spain very, very shortly, which I'm incredibly excited about.
0: I love how you said that because... As a mompreneur, it's not going to happen. The laptop lifestyle. Okay, listeners, you can get on and you can dispute me about this because I know there are digital nomads who travel in RVs or not even in RVs with a truck full of kids. But for me, it just can't happen. But that does not mean to say that I don't want to improve my lifestyle and my working habits and everything. So I sort of look at those posts and I just sort of shake my head because I, I wonder who they're really trying to target.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of it is frustrating because I also know though that it'll be good for business being there because I know that my Instagram will be much more, it'll be much prettier than it is in a, in a here in a slightly rainy, great. you know, so we kind of, you know, it's productivity podcast and it's really looking at productivity in like a lot of different ways. So things that for me, some of the reasons behind doing it is a little bit why the hell not. It is also because the kind of difference in cost of living is much lower in there than it is in the UK. So it's kind of the equivalent of almost giving myself like an instant 30% pay rise, which is nice. Kind of like lifestyle stuff for a bit of a wake up call to pay a bit more attention to my own health. So the fact that the apartment I'm moving to, you know, there's a swimming pool as part of the complex and stuff. And at the moment where you need that bit of break because your head just feels a bit like it's going to explode. I probably make a cup of coffee and have a bar of chocolate here in the UK. You know, the plan is just nip down and just 20 minutes, a quick kind of dip in the pool. So that side of it is also that the business has really grown and I'm having to spend a lot more time traveling which is wonderful because I love travel. And I was making Kim insanely jealous. So if you're listening to this and you're not based in Europe, we have here really, really cheap flights. So I was saying to her that I'm based in a city. I'm about 90 minutes west of London. And to get a train to London on Friday is costing me £200. So what's that? That's about... 230, 250 US dollars for a 90 minute return train journey. It's actually cheaper for me to fly to Spain. So I am going to be commuting and it sounds like a bit of a jet set lifestyle, but it's just cheaper than getting on the train to somewhere that's an hour away from me here in the UK. And I'm also taking my horses with me, which is the logistical challenge, really. Moving the business is, I say it straightforward, off the back of three months of seemingly needing nonstop paperwork and stuff to make that happen you know the horses are coming with me so it's kind of like yeah me and a macbook is would be nice but it's in reality an e-commerce business has been moved into third-party warehousing there's horses coming on the trip it's not like throw things into one bag and off we go
0: how do you even do that it's not related to business at all but i am curious how do you move (laughs) horses from one country to another
1: they have there are equine travel agents and there's, there's companies that do nothing but the horses have become a global sport now and so the horses themselves like the top horses their travel is insane you know in terms of where they'll be you know they'll go from Monaco to and then perhaps they'll be in Miami Beach and then they'll fly down to Mexico City and you know so the horses live this real jet set lifestyle but when you're doing you know like European stuff they're not flying so they go on really big like air conditioned air suspension trucks and there's just travel agents that move horses around all over Europe so this is reasonably straightforward they all have we're under for now all this wonderful EU European regulation so my horses have got passports um, which sometimes um, surprises people the logistics of taking the horses with me than the business I think probably because it's just a lot less common so they've got passports and then they get booked on and while it's very very cheap for me to fly the horses Travelling for like the equivalent of a first class plane ticket <laughs> to New York and back. To oh my gosh. <laughs> so, and they'll be going in far more comfort and with a lot more space than me. But yeah, that's the kind of priorities of a horse owner. While they're there, it means they, they're going to a great place, a little bit like boarding school for horses or like summer camp. And so it means actually I'll have far more freedom to travel. I was concerned about making the move because really about what my clients would think within the agency. they used to, it's a UK business, there's an office, it's all very kind of conventional. You know, I've got some quite kind of traditional businesses that working with, even though the digital side of things. So I did kind of sound it out with a couple that I had a really, really good relationship with first and said, you know, if I did this and did this with the business, what would you think? And what do you think other businesses might think? And everyone's actually been really cool about it. But everyone's just said, please, can we have our meetings out in Spain now? Well, okay. <laughs> so again, with the cheap flights, it's actually easier. And we've also got very expensive petrol in the UK compared to the US. So it probably is cheaper to put people on a plane to Spain for a meeting than it is to try and get everyone in the central location here. Yeah, so really all change. And it's been a really interesting experience because the e-commerce business has been running since 2001.
0: I know that the internet was around before I graduated high school in 1997. So that was back in the day of dial-up AOL over here. So I mean, by 2001, I know I was ordering things online. I know that Amazon was around by then, but e-commerce was still relatively new.
1: Yeah, it was. And that's what blows my mind. Because probably about going back about 10 years ago, I had this crazy vision of exactly how I wanted to run my business. And I remember saying to people about it that and at the time you're saying RV, I wanted like the equipment of an RV, but with space for the horses behind a so big horse lorry, and to literally be able to run the business from anywhere and kind of take the horses on tour. And at the time, it you couldn't really comprehend it. A because you were still on dial up internet. And just in terms of like the logistics, the, you know, the e-commerce site at the time when it was originally built, every page was built by hand in Dreamweaver. And so you were just having to like FTP a page up at a time. And so now that I've, you've got the Shopify app on your iPhone that you can do 95% of like the day to day, you can kind of run off the iPhone pretty much. Accounting, all the kind of components of business, I've, A, they've dropped so much in cost. For now that you've got all these, you know, amazing cloud software for accounting, for e-commerce, email marketing, just everything that you can get your hands on, a very, very low cost. But it's also totally portable, and it's meant then also that so not only off on my travels because there's also just been some changes in the structure of the business and staff. Nothing, nothing negative. Just as people have left for various reasons, the team now is like 100% virtual, which has actually been a real challenge for me because I'm very used to having people like a meter away where you can just kind of turn around and ask them things or get feedback. And so it's required me to be much more organized and really get to grips with actually mainly Asana, because that's where all the, you know, that's the kind of like central hub of like everything in terms of tasks and kind of project management. And so it's been a bit of a steep learning curve. So as well as all this kind of disruption in some ways in kind of personal life, the business is also re- growing really, really quickly. I think that's like a side effect of being really, really miserable at the end of last year. All I did was work. There was no work-life balance because work was a gift actually at the time definitely in my family that seems to be the coping strategy it's just absolutely bury yourself in work and just kind of tackle things that way and it gives you something to focus on every day so as a result I've been really really miserable for a number of months after losing my mother the business has has exploded and that itself yet growing pains is I think how I described it to you earlier today which brings in a whole new set of challenges well I have a couple
0: questions about all of that one what has moving your operations from being in an office to digitally, what has that done to your productivity? I know you said you've had to be more organized, but can you see that your productivity has increased or decreased
1: as a result? That's a really good question. I did like a little experiment because one of the things that worried me is how is like working from home gonna pan out? Because I'm not one of those people who doesn't ever work from home. But it's like that mental break of I'm sat here like recording this in the office and you, you know, you lock the door and you drive home. And it's nice, you know, it's only like a 10 minute commute. But it's that little bit of distance between the two. And if you choose to work at home, which, of course, I'm messing around on my laptop and stuff. So I did a few like test runs, which was days of working from home and not coming into the office to see if it sent me a little bit stir crazy. I'd say my house is a lot cleaner because that became a little bit of a. (laughs) if you want a sort of like a 10 minute break, it's kind of easy to I'll just put a load of laundry on or I'll just do something like I don't think it's really made much difference in my productivity. What it's forced me to do is be more organized about having everything. I'm sat here and I've got a super, super long desk. What are we? Probably about five meters long. And my tendency is it can be covered almost every inch of it in paper and writing notes and then the problem is is you're working from home and you really need a piece of paper that's on the desk so it's just simple things like write things straight into google docs don't write it on paper if you can avoid it at all everything going into asana don't write to do post-it notes and and just trying to get everything a little bit more streamlined and it's been good practice because especially initially i don't want to schlep a whole lot of paperwork that I don't need to with me to the apartment in Spain, which is pretty compact there. And certainly initially, I can see probably quite quickly perhaps needing to transition into needing like office space over there. But for now, I'm just going to kind of see how things roll. So I've had to be a lot more organized personally to be working from home, because I'm not working from home full time either. So it's a little bit splitting across of multiple locations it kind of switched i was using rescue time but i switched to time doctor because it can track better across like multiple devices and that has been great and and by doing using that so if, if anyone's not familiar it's literally just a bit of software that kind of babysits you allows you to track your time which is important so you know if you're billing for client work whether you're spending more time Than you should be. But it's been that real focus between now that I've kind of come out of this fog of just working every waking hour because I didn't really want to deal with any other feelings. It's been really aware of am I actually working or should I just stop now because I'm kind of working like half speed or quarter speed? Yeah, I suppose a little kind of like going to cars. I think I had a tendency to spend a lot of time perhaps later into the evening and I'm really only in second gear. I'm chantering on quite slowly. I'm very easily distracted at that time of day and I'm not doing my best work. So it's rather than being, it's not so much about kind of location, but being more about, I don't really have any rules about what time I work or anything. You know, I've got no problem with working very early in the morning or late at night and perhaps going out for a ride on my horse in the middle of the day and being very flexible, but just being more aware and a bit more disciplined. that If I'm working, be in fifth gear. You know, you've got your foot to the floor on the accelerator and go for it. And the rest of the time I'm in neutral. I'm not working, I'm totally chilled and not letting that kind of creep over into like the kind of little mushy bits around the edge where you think you've worked loads and loads and loads. But in reality, when you actually track it and and I've been really disciplined about tracking exactly what I'm doing every single hour of every single day, God, I'm not actually doing as much work as I thought I could. Christina, how many to-do list items do you give yourself? Too many in some ways. And I think this is a real balance. You've got the to-dos that are in terms of like client projects and stuff and things being very... been doing a lot of work actually lately with like live events, which is fabulous, but they're very deadline driven and that's kind of great and also very fast moving in terms of the campaigns because there's a lot of optimizing and tweaking that's happening and you've got very very kind of short time frames so it's kind of the equivalent of e-commerce and that kind of month between black friday and christmas but fairly sort of relentless for the event clients so you know there's a the stuff that needs doing But what I've been trying to make sure I do is that every single day I'm doing something that like progresses my business. And then, like, a big part of that is building out a training academy because one of the really nice things about being in business a while and being very busy is you can put your prices up and I had a real kicking from one of my closest like business friends who is a really smart marketer herself sort of informally mastermind and she sent me a great video by uh, Denise Duffield Thomas about women and selling and I watched it totally agreed with it and immediately prices went up a lot and, and it's meant that I spend quite a bit of time having sales conversations with people, and especially when it comes to like paid advertising, that if people haven't got a reasonable budget to spend on Facebook ads or Google ads, and the money's being paid directly to like the platform, it doesn't justify like hiring my agency to run their ad campaigns. But there's a need. They don't want to DIY it. And I just felt there was this bit of a gap. And in effect, I was turning away quite a lot of work because, as she's saying to people, either they were like, you quote them a price and you can tell there's this like gulp and this total silence on the phone and it's just out of their budget at that time. Or I've honestly said to them, look, it's not cost effective for you to be doing this right now. So there's something coming out called Digital Aces Academy very, very shortly. And the idea is there is a, we'll teach small businesses how to get to grips with the different aspects of digital marketing, but with a very, very practical kind of perspective, you know, with some access to some help, but it's not one-on-one strategy. It's not bespoke training, something that's really, really affordable. And working on that, I've had to force myself That has come out of some really late nights. So again, I'm not going to bullshit this whole sort of, oh yeah, my effortless digital recurring income while I'm sat by the pool. No, it's late hours into the evening. My Nespresso machine has been hammered because my caffeine consumption is sky high at the moment to get off the ground because I didn't want to like slow down the kind of main focus of the business right now. But I also knew that this was going to be an important revenue stream going forward. And also I'm really getting to the point where I need to get very serious about recruiting Some really, really great team members. And I know that training them when they're not sat next to me physically is going to be harder. So the content that's going to the academy is going to be based on how things happen in the agency and be used for staff training as well. So that has been a bit of a labor of love. I'm definitely guilty of putting too many things on the to-do list. And I've been using, what am I into now? Coming to the end of my third one of the self journal, which a few different people had recommended to me. And I really like the gratitude element of that. I'm not a woo-woo person at all, but having to think three good things at the beginning and the end of the day, I think is good for the soul.
0: (laughs) Which journal is this? This
1: is the best self co, the self journal.
0: Okay, I've never heard of that. I'm going to have to
1: go look at it. It's an interesting one and they've got a great Shopify store. So I, was, I came across them because they won the Shopify build a business competition. So they've grown themselves massively in a very short period of time with selling a physical product. So they're a great advertisement for their own item. There's no magic secret. I don't think any planner can magically sort out your life. For me, I like the gratitude part of it. And there's literally the kind of three tasks to do today. Now, in reality, my Asana tasks to do is probably anywhere between five and 20 a day on a nice day, whereas it's that focus on what's the one thing that's actually going to move my personal business forward. So I quite often there's literally one task that's written down in there, and that might be what today's task finish the sales page for digital aces academy if i get that done then i know that my own business is progressing you know in a major way in the background of everything else that's going on in terms of servicing clients and and the e-commerce business it's keeping that kind of distinction of to-dos when you do a lot of marketing work for clients i think the biggest danger to slip into is you never concentrate on your own business especially when your own business is growing the temptation is to not do much marketing but I've kind of decided to just embrace it and just keep, Go for, you know, keep growing, really. And so that means every single day, something needs to happen from a marketing point of view.
0: I was just thinking about that this past weekend. About a year ago, and I'm going to name drop here because I remember who I wrote an email to. I was watching Rachel Luna. So I was watching everything that she was doing and she was talking about how she had transitioned from doing all client work to working more on her business. It probably really was just about a year ago. I was probably in one of the lowest spots mentally that I have been in... years just because I was at probably 99% client work and 1% internal work and 0% self-care. And even though I was working 99% on client work, the money was not where it needed to be. And I've slowly made the transition over the course of the last year to where I'm probably now doing 10% client work and 90% internal And the money is exactly the same. I don't really get it because the money is still not where it needs to be. But I love the fact that I'm doing those things every day.
1: I took on a really, really fun project with a big UK um, charity. But it's something that I was really involved in when I grew up. So it's like one of the best bits of my childhood. And and I was just really aware that there was a lot at stake in terms of like the future of this organization and you know it's a big sell for them to embrace some digital marketing and really break new ground with what they were doing there's a lot of emotion involved in business and that's not just when things are going wrong or for solo entrepreneurs and stuff but I'm one of those people people have commented they find it really easy to tell me things and I'm the kind of person that if I'm on a train or a plane people tell me their life stories and people feel really comfortable telling me things things but emotionally it's a lot to carry and also just in terms of the logistic side of it that they pick up the phone and they expect you to be able to recall every single aspect and it's a lot. You know, I did consider completely transitioning the business 100% into info products and digital and completely changing. But at the moment, I love the agency side, got some amazing clients and projects on the go. And that is really breaking new ground. And I think it pushes me every day to be a better marketer. And there's the chances some of the stuff that's bubbling away at the moment, you know, is really kind of groundbreaking stuff. And so it's so much fun to get to work on those kind of things. I'm not ready to step away from it. Whether I'll change my mind in three or four years, I don't know. I think I'd be having a very different conversation if I had a family or was planning on having children like imminently because of the hours you're working and there isn't the same flexibility. But it's taking a lot of time to be working on the next kind of project or working on this side hustle, in effect, alongside the rest of the business but I think it's important to do and it's not just important to do actually for everyone's kind of advertising it in terms of the again this kind of laptop lifestyle dream and you know you know kind of sipping champagne while the money comes in off your digital business with recurring revenue and, and whatnot I mean if it had been something like cancer or something you're perhaps there where you're physically unable to work for like a number of months, you know, or if she'd needed, if she'd made it and come home from hospital and and needed some really intense care and rehab and and all that kind of things. So I also think it's a bit of a safety net. So I'm doing it from a really positive point of view. It's sensible on a whole number of reasons. The challenge is to push through and find the time to do it. And like you say there, it just cracks me up this with your cat because if you're following me for any time online, horses are a massive part of my life and it does tend to be these intrusions. It probably literally on my kind of list of top 10 dream clients, these guys would be in the top 10 and my kind of first inroad in having a serious conversation with them. So you're on the phone, full on, I'm a professional mode. A chicken walks into my bloody office. So it's not my chicken and it's there uh, going around. And I was sat on the sofa at the time. Oh my god, <laughs> And I'm kind of like, well, what do I do? Because if I try and like chase it out of the office, it'll make a noise. And then does this ruin the illusion of, you know, digital hotshot so it's like I'll just leave it and that's fine and then it jumped up onto the desk and I'm like if this chicken like craps which chickens do I was like 1500 pounds worth of computer that the chicken is currently like crouched on and I'm just like oh I'm sure this doesn't happen to other people so having this conversation with you today It does, people. (laughs) It does happen. I got to share with you and listeners, if you've listened to any of my early
0: episodes, I share this. It's one of the early episodes. It's called Keep Moving Forward. My first ever Skype interview with a client, I didn't realize you could do audio only. And I had video on. And it's not the cats that we have today. It was cats a long time ago. And the female was fixed. However, right over my shoulder in the middle of the Skype video call, our cats did it and clear view of the prospect and i'm like tapping my husband because at that point we were in this small apartment in his desk he was sitting right next to me and he just sort of pushed down on my leg and he said stay
1: still Did not bring attention to it this is the first time I kind of talked about it publicly which is build the agency into a very significant business in the kind of wider industry but I'm wanting to do it in quite an unconventional manner the logical thing I should be doing is not going to Spain I should be moving my office into the city center and having everyone in a room having a lot of young grads in there it's a room full of really ambitious people in their 20s and kind of 30s but I want to do it differently and I want to be totally transparent about this move and in fact that that it'll be there's no way to hide it really with with modern social media and kind of making out that really for clients, they're not going to be paying for the overheads of, you know, a city centre office and a receptionist, a big florist bill. But also there's a lot of people who I'd love to have on the team who are perhaps, it's not necessarily conventional that they're perhaps they're semi-retired because of this whole thing. Like we've got this mad thing of like this ageing population globally where they're saying in the UK that 25% of our population is going to be over 60 within 20 years time. So that's not only it's a problem for for the government to work out how to pay to deal with things like healthcare and stuff. But that's a massive resource of incredible experience. There's so many mums who are forced a bit out of like the traditional workforce, and they've perhaps then gone down the route of self-employment. But it's like, well, actually, this is kind of a hybrid. You can come and work for the agency, and there'll be this kind of transparency about it. I don't know if you saw that clip that's been floating around on the internet of a uh, BBC and... Like...
0: Hilarious. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just it just cracked me up so much watching that. Yeah, they're just having the best time on that clip and he just looked like he wanted to die from embarrassment. But it kind of like, you know what, this stuff happens and we need to change really. I think the whole structure of work, this whole idea of how you know, we work Monday to Friday, roughly like working hours of like nine to six or nine to five or eight to five, quite however you work it out, is kind of based on the... Britain kind of pioneered in the Industrial Revolution, which is when everyone had to work in factories and where primarily, in fact, at that stage, everyone worked, including the kids. And then we kind of went through this kind of golden era of that you had the baby boomers post-war and you had typically perhaps one, you know, it was the the father who went out to work. And I just think the whole thing needs to change for a whole number of reasons. All the technology's there. To me, it's a chance to have some incredible people on the team. But with it, you cut a bit of slack that, yeah, you know what? Animals will give birth live on calls. Children will occasionally invade Skype chat. Yeah, and it's moving away from this kind of corporate sort of like fakery, really. And so my decision was to be totally transparent about this, and but equally to be doing it while trying to grow a really big business and not just be a, here's me and my laptop. And that's kind of it.
0: Listeners, we met on a virtual coffee call yeah. last year as a result of the Coffee with Dan group, Dan Meredith. And... I was on a call, a virtual coffee call, last Thursday, and I had a sick three-year-old at home. This is so not positive productivity. (laughs) However, she was sick. Things happen, and I'm on a Skype call, and she comes out into the office. I thought she was very satisfied watching a movie. She comes out, and she says, Mommy, I need new panties. My panties have poopy on them. (laughs) (laughs) And I hadn't muted my line (laughs) And the gentleman on the other line, he just started laughing. And luckily, we ended up having a great conversation. I got my daughter taken care of, and we ended up talking again today. But oh, don't get wrapped up on it not being perfect. This is also so not positive productivity appropriate. But I started laughing when you were talking about the people who talk about having, you know, multi-million dollar launches while they're sitting by the pool. The first thing that came to mind, and this is so not right, I will probably be struck down for this, but I would love to have a hose and spray those people while they're having their pictures taken by the pool because i swear they probably have big under eye circles larger than mine what do you think
1: i do and i think it doesn't really do anyone any favors in the long run and and this is why i really like dan Moretti coffee with dan i think you've got people like gary Vaynerchuk. Casey Neistat who have been a real kind of like social media superstars and they're living like really glamorous lives. I'm very envious this week because Southwest is on in Austin in Texas and my social media feeds are full of people doing interesting and awesome stuff there but they're also very realistic about here I am at half past four in the morning at the airport which is not fun all the time and the people pulling out these kind of stats about the launches. I wish there was more focus on how much profit people had made from a launch versus kind of top-line numbers. This whole thing where people talk about like six-figure businesses, um, like to me, it's straight away a little bit of a, not a red button, but yeah, having had physical businesses with significant overheads, six figures is not a big business. And especially once you're paying, you know, taxes and kind of, you know, you got rent on physical space and, and just the whole thing where you kind of people equating, they kind of made that jump from employee and they're kind of treating their business like their turnover as if it's like a salary and not enough focus on net profit at the end of the day and with all these launches your affiliates you're paying well for example here in the uk again different tax systems around the world but straight away you've got like 20% sales tax. So you've got your 100,000 launch. Well, 20% of that goes straight to the tax man. You know, your credit card processing fees or your PayPal fees, you've got your affiliates and most of them have got, you know, going back to what we we're talking about at the beginning, these email sequences of the, you know, here's the one where the link was wrong. They're paying out 50% commission which is why you guys get completely submerged with your inboxes at certain times of the year when big people launch and you've perhaps got 10 or 15 people emailing you. Then they've got their ad costs, you know, what they're paying to Facebook or Google. Is So what they're walking away with at the end of the day, it's not inconceivable to have done, you know, a $100,000 launch and to walk away with like five or $10,000 in profit, which, yeah, it's still great. You know, who's going to say no to $10,000 in profit? But it's not quite as sexy sounding. And like you say, not just on the financial side, but I don't know anyone who's ever done a big launch and said that was easy. And gosh, I've worked on my tan, like you say. Bags under the eyes, sleepless nights, super high pressure. It's kind of like don't get sucked into the hype. I find it a real struggle. In how to kind of maintain that line of not being like a negative Nelly online and being that real cynical, slightly bitter voice of experience, but equally not wanting to give people like a fake idea of what it involves. I totally agree. And it's difficult because as a digital marketer, I'm looking at metrics and I know that if I post certain things, you get a great reaction. It's like, Kitty pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. All that whole, you know, any of the kind of classic stuff. Here's me in the sports car outside the luxury hotel having just done a strategy day with a client gets way more reaction than Here's a five-page detailed case study of, like, exactly how you can do X, Y, Z. It's kind of human nature to be attracted to shiny, shiny objects. But I do think, like, the internet, like, magnifies things. So it has given some room to some slightly dubious kind of people in the internet. You know, when they're selling a dream and... There's probably a lot where MLM is the same. You know, there's a reason why they give people who are high performers the cars and they get them up on stage and trying to motivate human nature. I just wish there was a little bit more kind of real life questions about business in there. And this whole explosion of like the life coaching industry and business coaching and people who are making a lot of money by selling courses to business coaches about how to make lots of money business coaching and you're kind of like, but you're not making money business coaching, you're making money by telling other people how to make money business coaching and there's that little disconnect between real world experience and the internet is changing so fast i don't really think there is any great formal education you can take for like online marketing in terms of like university courses because having recruited some really really great graduates lately what they're learning on their course curriculums their curriculums were perhaps written like four or five years ago And it doesn't cover what's available there today because technology moves so fast. I don't have anything wrong with people not having like formal qualifications. Like my academics qualifications are nothing to do with digital marketing originally. So we were laughing there about the cat. You know, I was originally at vet school, you know, a million miles away from online marketing. Needing a bit of rigor in terms of the real basics, the whole profit versus cost of making the product, just like business 101. And that doesn't get mentioned enough in the sort of online guru circles.
0: Christina, we were going to talk about growing pains. And I have so much to talk about on that subject as well. But I think we are going to have to bring you back for another episode just to talk about that and to talk about all the systems that you have set up besides Asana and Google Docs to help you with this move. And and I would love to actually bring you back after your move to talk about all that because this has been such a great chat.
1: Yeah, it'd be an absolute pleasure. And I think for me, it's what I find really challenging in business. What I like about digital marketing is that cross between like art and science, but I am not naturally like systems is the thing I find hardest. It's definitely a struggle.
0: I just want to bring up, though, really fast. You were talking about six figure earners. This, I've never shared numbers in the show, but in the spirit of total transparency, I just want to share in 2015, I was thrilled when I saw that the income report showed revenue of close to 95,000, because to me, that was huge. But then after all the contractors and all the tools that I was using, I think I made 20,000 for the whole year.
1: It was humbling, to say the least. I think the tools thing is an interesting one. My bookkeeper made me list them all out. And then had a stern word with me about monthly outgoings on software tools. It's a little bit, it's the kind of tricks of the trade. But as you say this, and I think this is where I wish people were more realistic and kind of perhaps more openly talked about. And and it's that really where you know, one of the things in terms of moving, and this is definitely something we can kind of circle around to in like the next episode, is there's certain like bits of my business that I've like, that I've knocked on the head because I decided they weren't profitable enough and so in the short term it means that you've perhaps like well I've just sliced off like 30 or 40,000 pounds worth of turnover but you can do less and make a lot more profit in kind of some cases. And and so there's the whole kind of productivity in terms of people are often talking about, they think about business productivity, about being like the tools and stuff. And, and those are really important. And doing once the kind of move is officially done, I'll know <laughs> if the wheels have fallen off these systems or not. So I'm sure there'll be some growing pains, growing pains there. But there's also productivity in terms of getting rid of, clients that are a massive time suck or putting prices or getting rid of unprofitable products and services and and just all, you know, the kind of business systems rather than I switched from rescue time to time doctor or I did this and that. You can quite often get some very big kind of changes to your, what you're pulling out of your business in terms of profit and personal revenue by tweaking, you know, some pretty big picture stuff. And that to me is enormously productive.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Would you
1: say that that's been one of your biggest changes then? Yeah. And it's been tough to do because a little bit, some of the product ranges and stuff in like the e-commerce business, they were projects. It was her babies or her artwork, having to take a really sort of clinical look and step back and say, it's just not cost effective to carry on with xyz the good news is it gets easier once you're on a bit of a roll it's a little bit like decluttering which i've been doing a lot of as well the kind of first couple of days you're there with a bin bag and it's hard to throw things away and by sort of day four or five you're a bit gung-ho and I'm sure you know things would be totally blitzed but it's the kind of discipline to step back and there's nothing sexy about it it doesn't involve digital marketing it really is business 101 and spending a lot of time bringing in you know my accountant and my bookkeeper and looking at things in a very dispassionate manner of how do we make this business more productive from a financial point of view rather than a sort of kind of time and kind of staffing. And some of that is some really dull stuff, changing up contracts, cutting product lines, That kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree.
0: And one of the big things for me was actually downsizing from having a big team just back down to me and becoming more confident also in the products and services that I was offering so that my prices reflected that.
1: I think we're really good at underpricing. On the whole, and that for me has been a really nice thing working on the academy because a kind of goal that by by the middle of the year the kind of minimum sort of like project rate that you can kind of hire us the kind of offering is kind of splitting into something called black label, which is the kind of criteria for that is a financial amount which I'm not going to share, but is a decent investment. And the, the exciting and interesting projects and also ethically projects that we're happy working on. And then the rest of the market, they're still not serving them through one-on-one work. And that kind of allows you to be... A, you can deliver better work. I just think the middle is a really dangerous place to be just full stop in business. And I think now with the ability to outsource so much like around the world, the team is virtual. They're in different countries. I've got one girl who is incredible. She's a student. So she's working part time for me and she is based in Mongolia of all places. So (laughs) yeah, I'm kind of like conscious that not only are the tools coming out to replace a lot of my day-to-day work and you've got things like facebook messenger bots and i'm sure more and more of advertising is going to be done by computers in terms of decisions and campaign optimization and things like that but you've also got an entire sort of global market force of labor that makes the us and the uk look like really really expensive places to do business in and so we are competing against those guys and so it's kind of like well actually let's pull both kind of ways and Remove ourselves from competing by positioning and pricing, and again, kind of going off down a complete other sideline. But businesses is changing at such a rapid rate, and having seen what's happened in retail, like since two thousand and one, when we first started in e-commerce, to where you are now, and things that even just actually in the last three or four years, you know, I don't think the kind of world of work and business is going to be recognisable. If we were having this conversation in like 10 years' time, so 2027, 20, there's so much change coming. And I think people are sleepwalking away a little bit into it. But I was just also conscious there's a degree of future proofing the business as well, which is something else that people don't always talk about. And how do you make sure the business is still here in another 17 years' time, if you still want it to be, or you've sold it for a load of money? And I am totally retired on a yacht somewhere. The thing is, they're not sexy. It's things that there's no PDF download that will tell you how to do this stuff. It's a lot lot of thinking and a lot of hard work and so I think that's why it's not openly discussed really online
0: yeah if it were easy then a lot more people would be doing it right definitely (laughs) when you are on your yacht someday you know drinking your cocktails make sure there's a
1: helipad (laughs) (laughs) my family are actually all being really convenient so my aunts and uncles I will give them a shout out because my uncle who lives in New Zealand has got a beautiful like beach home on a little island in Wahiki and he keeps on saying to me, you've got to come visit, but it's such a long flight, and if you're there, you really want to be there for like two, maybe three weeks. And he said, oh, we've got fibre broadband now on the island. So I penciled that in. (laughs) And then my other side of the family have had this kind of lifetime's ambition, having always been sailing nuts to you know boats is their obsession and they've now got a um they've bought a boat and that's going to be in Greece I think for the summer so I, I keep on saying to remember I'm your favorite niece and I'm going to come visit you lots and <laughs> so that's the difference though that I'm saying the horses are going to be in, like the equivalent of boarding school and it's far more socially acceptable to leave your horses somewhere for a month go messing around on a yacht than it is your kids so uh I think that's the difference <laughs> someone needs to invent the ultimate kid crash Digital nomads. There's my business idea for the day.
0: I am totally open to being sponsored by Disney Cruise Line because I do understand that they have on ship sitting. So, have
1: they, haven't they got Wi Fi there? You know what?
0: My clients can wait. <laughs> Well, Christina, I know you are moving soon, but considering this digital age, I would love for you to share where listeners can find you online, find out more about you and learn about your upcoming programs. Oh, and listeners, you can find all of the links and resources that we have talked about on my website at thekimsutton.com forward
1: slash pp116. Awesome. This is the organisation. I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> the agency is blacktypedigital.com. There's lots of information on there about what we do and the link through to um, Digital Ace's Academy. But the best place is a Facebook. So it's facebook.com and then forward slash Christina Jones Online. So that's my personal page where I love meeting people. Um, So come over, say hi. And then there's also then the Digital Aces Facebook group. So if you just search again, Digital Aces on Facebook the group and it's a really fun mix of people in there and social media can be social
0: awesome and again all those links will be on the site thekimsutton.com forward slash pp116 christina thank you so much for being on today and i know this is the second time we've done it but i am going to ask you to come back for a third and (laughs) look forward to it greatly
1: on one condition what's that you need to send me some pictures of super cute kittens once they're all like cleaned up a bit
0: oh i will i (laughs) I am dying to get out there and see them listeners make sure i've already had one blooper episode the second one may be out by the time this episode (laughs) airs but you will hear that in the middle of this episode my cat fame went into labor so never a dull moment around here (laughs) i love it thanks so much kim thank you so much Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast, and I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.